the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and as I promised, I'm thrilled to have Bob Knackle, who is one of the the best. I mean, anything in investment sales, okay, most respected, most knowledgeable people I know, and he has been brokered over uh, for over 40 years, and he has, as I said, brokered over 2,321 buildings, okay, Um there's no one else I would even ask, okay, but Bob, he has the most knowledge, a wonderful reputation, and thank you, Bob, because we're thrilled to have you on. Dottie, so great to be with you today, and hello, everyone. Yes. So, Bob, I, you want to give everybody a little bit of what you did with your firm and what you're working on now, because, you know, this is not, we're not now we're going to talk about investment sales, not residential, which is really important. And like what's going on, where the city is and how they're doing with that. Sure. Well, um, you know, Dottie, I think uh, what we're doing today is if you look at my practice over the years, I've been a generalist mainly in terms of investment sales where I've sold uh, office buildings, retail properties, apartment buildings, uh, medical office buildings, development sites. And um, over the years, I've been gravitating more towards land, uh, which are development sites in the city and apartment buildings. And um, in brokering the sale of development sites in the city, one of the very important aspects of trying to figure out what the value of a piece of land is, is to look at the development pipeline to determine um, what the the future competition looks like for a to-be-built building on a piece of land today. And one of my frustrations over the years is that, you know, the, the residential brokerage community has done a great job of, of um, sending out information about the pipeline of condos that are being built. But when it comes to residential rental units, hotels, office space, uh, there's very little that's published about what that supply pipeline looks like. And I said to myself, you know, it's it's pretty easy to know whether a building's under construction or not. If you're standing in front of it, you know whether a building's being built or not. So uh, I, I, for years I've wanted to go out and actually walk the streets and do a physical count of what the pipeline looks like. And the pandemic in 2020 offered a perfect opportunity. The city was completely empty. Um, I took that opportunity uh, to get out, um, walk every block of Manhattan south of 96th on the east side, south of 110 on the west side, 
And I had uh, copies, small sections of the the, uh, Sanborn tax lot map with me and highlighted uh, every building that was under construction, uh, every potential development site, every assemblage site. And what we've done is we've created a giant map that's 24 feet long and 10 feet wide that identifies everything you could possibly want to know about the land uh, market in Manhattan. And uh, we've developed a pipeline of rental apartments, condos, hotel space, uh, hotel rooms, office space, and a miscellaneous bucket of everything else that doesn't fit into the first floor. And this has been very, very helpful in terms of identifying land values by looking at what the future competition is going to be. So kind of a unique approach. Uh, I spent 220 hours out in the field walking. I was going to ask uh, you, how long, city. how long did that take you? Yeah. What exercise? Yeah. Not that you needed it. I mean, you're not nice and thin, but uh, how long did that take you to do? I mean. Yeah, we did it over four months. We started, we started in April of 2020. It took four months to complete and 220 hours in the field, followed up by thousands of hours of research. Uh, but now we have a, uh, you know, the development pipeline is unrivaled. We have it down to the square inch. Uh, since we did this walking tour, we've tracked every single demolition permit, foundation permit, building permit that the city has issued. Um, and we also have a uh, a comparable sales study that we're going to be coming out with the NACA land index uh, within the next few weeks that is going to look at land sales uh, broken down into those same five buckets. Uh, and we have that data going all the way back to 1984. Uh, wow. We've studied 2,397 two uh, uh, development site sales in Manhattan and, um, you know, we'll be coming out with a study showing the fluctuation in land value for those five different buckets over that 40-year period. So, I mean, that's invaluable to people. I mean, you're, so you're going to show anything that's going to come out because when you're and, – and what's the – you know, so somebody can price it and know what their competition is going to be before it's even there, Correct. Yeah, then, and Dottie, I think, you know, I've, I've always said that in the real estate business, whether you're in residential, commercial, whatever you're doing, the best data set you can have is the data set that you procure yourself. If you're just relying on a third-party aggregator of data, that data is available to everybody. So to the extent that you have your own data set that you've created, you've verified, you, you monitor and update all the time, that's the, the best and most valuable data that you can have, and that is, is putting you in a position to create uh, real value for your clients and to be valuable to your clients because you're giving them insight into the market that others might not be able to. And as, as I always say also, you know, the real estate business is not really as much the real estate business as it is the information business. And the better quality your information is, the more value you can you can give to your clients. And I can tell you there's no one that I would rely on or that's going to have more details and be more accurate than Bob. So before I ask you, you know, I'm going to – what are the conditions like today uh, currently for um, investment sales? 
in New York City? Yeah, well, the, you know, the market is very challenged. Clearly, we've had a number of things that have impacted the market. Uh, we've had rising interest rates. Uh, we've had uh, the work from home, which we're still not fully recovered from the pandemic of people coming back to the office. And so if you look at the the peak of the market cycle in investment sales in New York clearly was all the way back in 2014 and 2015. In 2014, we had 5,534 buildings sell in wow. in New York City. That that was an all-time record by more than 10%. In 2015, we had $80.1 billion in sales volume, also an all-time record. Um, and the market really changed in October of 15. Uh, we started to see some cracks in the market, uh, namely in the, the land market and the hotel market. Um, those two sectors are important to look at because they're the most sensitive to changes in the direction of the market. Hotels, because leases are only for one day, and land, because land values are a proxy for what developers believe uh, the market conditions are going to be like three or four years from today when what they're building will come online and they'll have to rent it or sell it. Um, and from October of 2015 through February of 2020, the dollar volume of sales in, in Manhattan dropped by 56%. Um, the number of properties sold dropped by 54%. Value was only down by about 12% if you aggregate all property types together. COVID comes along in March of 2020, converts this mostly volume correction into a value correction. Value bottomed out in 2020. And then in the, in April, the first week of April, of 2021, there was a huge shift, um, and I had gotten called by 13 private equity shops within a three-day period, all saying, hey, Bob, we've been on the sidelines. We want to start deploying capital. Who's building? Who's buying? Who can we give money to? And I think it was because the first quarter reports came out from the residential firms showing upward pressure on residential rents for the first time in years. Right upward pressure and, and good absorption in the condo market. And based on that, the second half of 21 and the first half of 22 was a great 12-month period. But then the Fed started raising rates in March that started to tangibly impact the, the sales market in August and September of 22. And that, that those increases in rates were, were so large and uh, so quick that it started to exert downward pressure on value again, and we went into another correction, which we're still in. And the biggest risk today for people is that when you're trying to refinance, you may have a mortgage at 35 or 4%, and if you need to refinance today, mortgage rates are double that, and the bank is not willing to give you the same amount of proceeds. So if you have a, a $50 million mortgage on your building, maybe the bank will refinance you for $35 million, that rate's going to be higher. And so what's, what a lot of investors are faced with today is do they have that $15 million to effectuate the financing, the refinancing, or, and if they don't have it, the writing's on the wall. If they do have it, they have to decide whether they want to put that $15 million of fresh capital into the building to hold on to it. And this is a dynamic that you know, the overwhelming majority of, of commercial property owners are facing today. That's a, a, that's a big, you know, you really have to kind of really believe 
in everything about New York City because, uh, which I think I see people buying big buildings now and I think, well, gee, they're getting it at a good price and long term, you ha if you believe that New York City always comes back 100% eventually, maybe a little different, um, it's probably a good time to to get something where would you go to find out like where would somebody find out the information that you have how would they get that where would they do on your website where would they go to get in touch with you to uh, get some get information or counsel? sure well we 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 publish all kinds of market reports i write articles regularly so if anybody wants any of this information you could just email me at bob.nackle at jll.com nackle is k-n-a-k-a-l um, I also write a lot about this on social media. I'm on all the major platforms, but emailing me directly is probably the best way to get it, and I'm happy to add you to my mailing list. I send out these market reports, studies, white papers regularly, and happy to share that information with folks. And there's no one that does that, nobody that has that kind of information as thorough as you have. So what would you say, how is this correction that we're going through in new york city different than past ones yeah well that's that's a great question Dottie. and i think what we've seen is that you know i'll lump the correction that started in october of 15 through february of uh, of uh, or actually through april of of 21 as one correction and then another correction that started in uh in september of 22 um, I lump them together and say that these corrections have been very different from the others that I've seen, and that's one of the benefits of having been in the market for so long. I was uh, brokering during the savings and loan crisis in the early 90s, uh, the recession of the early 2000s, and the GFC in 08, 09. And in those first three major corrections, um, we, we saw – that every property type was declining in value just to differing degrees. Um, this time around, the two main differences are lender behavior and the way the different property types are reacting. And let's go to the way property types are reacting. As I said, past big three, all going down just to varying degrees. Uh, this time, each product type is performing a little bit differently. I would argue today that the retail sector for, for retail store properties um, is on the upswing, but that's because it's been challenged for a very long time. Uh, the general perception is that retail rents have stopped going down, um, leasing activity is picking up, and investor demand is back. Uh, within the multifamily apartment building sector, we see tremendous demand, notwithstanding the political headwinds that exist in that space. Um, the land market is, is varying depending on, again, what property type you're going to build. Um, and the office sector is the one that's the most challenged. Uh, new construction Class A office is doing relatively well, but the older B and C stock of office is having a real tough time and, you know, is probably going to be the last sector to recover. Right, well, um, that's I, you know, I've read that if they don't have the bells and whistles, it's not brand new office space that they're really struggling. Will they be able to, do you yeah. think they can convert some of that space or that's too difficult? Yeah, no, I think you can convert some of it. Some of it uh, you can't convert. Some of it you can. I think that the city needs to help with some 
uh, policy that will make it a little easier. You know, downtown in the 90s, we had a 421G tax abatement program um, that, you know, right after 9-11 was instrumental in creating uh, and converting the financial district into a 24-7 uh, neighborhood. Uh, before 9-11, there were about 1,800 dwelling units in the financial district. Today, there's about 30,000. Um, most of those were, were conversion of office buildings to residential. In the same way, you know, I've advised politicians that I've spoken to, we should implement the citywide 421G. We have a lot of very old functionally obsolete office space that could be converted to residential, but we need help. Values are not low enough yet. Um, but interestingly, um, not and not only are office buildings going to be converted to residential, but I think you're also going to see a lot of this older stock just get demolished because values are getting to the point where uh, a combination of what you're paying for the building plus the demolition cost is approaching or getting below land value. So I think we'll see some demolitions of these older buildings as well. So would you say that, like, this is, do you believe that this is a window that people can, I mean, somebody who believes in long-term investments in New York City could get, could get, you know, buildings or things at a price that they probably couldn't have gotten it 10 years ago? Yeah, no, look, I, I, I think that I've always said that the savings and loan crisis in the early 90s was the best buying opportunity that I'd ever seen. I think today we have that same buying opportunity. Uh, you have buildings in certain categories, some multifamily buildings, some secondary and tertiary office buildings that are selling at prices per square foot that they were selling at 20 and 25 years ago. Wow. Um, which is, is amazing. And Folks are just scared. You know, to, to buy property today, you have to have capital and you have to have courage. Uh, and there are a lot of people with capital that don't have the courage and a lot of people with the courage that don't have the capital. If you have both, I think you can make great buys today. And I think five or ten years from now, people are going to look back and say, why the heck didn't I buy everything in Manhattan in 2023 and 2024? I should have bought everything in sight. Uh, but you know what they they say, uh, you know, buy property when no one wants to buy and sell exactly. when everybody wants to buy. And uh, today's the time. Yeah. I think it's a great, great buying opportunity. I think that also. I think there's a herd mentality. So everybody is like waiting for everybody else to buy. And that's the best deals are when nobody's not people are buying so what do you think about the city where do you think long term i mean you've been in the business forever um what do you see long do you see like it's you know long term coming back and uh what do you see that we you know i had uh the pataki on and governor the ex you know governor pataki and asked him what he did during 9-11 to bring people back and so what are i'd love to hear after the break some of the things that you think you know, are happening in the city and what you are, your read on long-term for investments. Um, because I think that, I, I think just people really don't know. Um, and you hear so many different variations of things. Um, so I'd love right. just an expert like you. We're going to be back and let Bob give you his read on investment properties in the city and where that's going and where the city is today. We'll be right back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm here with Bob. 
Knackle and Senior Managing Director in our private, New York Private Capital Group. Be right back after this break. You have all helped support MyPillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular products. You've heard me recently speak about the My Slippers, Giza Sheets, MyPillow 2.0, and more. Great news. The MyPillow six-pack bath towel sets are back in stock. They are extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels and two washcloths regular price is 79.98 for a limited time you can get this six pack towel set for only 39.99 with promo code joe p that's a 50 percent savings go to mypillow.com call 800-651-0798 use the promo code joe p to save 50 percent on the mypillow six pack towel sets this is Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare RX, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com, improving quality of life one patient at a time. Here is Dr. Michael Rosario from St. Anthony's Neurology Group in St. Petersburg, Florida. CIDP, which is the acronym for Chronic Inflammatory Demyelinating Polyradicular Neuropathy, is an autoimmune disease in which our own immune system creates antibodies that target and attacks the nerve's outer covering called myelin. Damage to this protective covering causes interruption in nerve signal leading to nerve dysfunction. When the nerves do not work well, we call that neuropathy. CIDP is one of many types of neuropathies. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. Are you ready to embark upon an unforgettable expedition this summer? I hope you'll join me, Mike Gallagher, along with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and our special guests on the Patriots Alaska Cruise. We'll unpack the trends and influences shaping our world today while sailing the pristine coast of Alaska over 4th of July. Learn more at Patriots Alaska Cruise Com. This experience is way more than a vacation. It's a chance to participate in spirited discussions and thought-provoking lectures on board the ship with like-minded patriots. Seven action-packed days will chart a course toward a bright American future, all while surrounded by Alaska's rustic and natural wonders on a beautiful luxury cruise ship. You'll experience powerful creation immersed in the splendor of glaciers and fjords. Mark your calendar, June 29th, July the 6th. Secure your cabin by calling 855-565-5519 or book online at PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com Cats and Cosby Weeknights at 5 on AM 970 The Answer Continuing with Eye on Real Estate your premier source for real estate information Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman Dottie Herman we're back, and I'm really, really fortunate to have Bob Knackle on, and he's been talking about investments, uh, sales in New York City. And, you know, I know your time is so valuable, so I appreciate you being on, but I have just a few more questions. I know you're busy. Uh, so do you see foreign capital coming back yet? 
Yeah, you know, interestingly, uh, the the peak of foreign capital investment in New York, again, goes back to 2014, 15, and 16, yeah. when you had a lot of very large foreign institutions that were uh, plunking down billions <laughs> all over the place, it seems. Uh, today, the institutions are a bit less active, and we're seeing more high net worth individuals and foreign families that are in the market. Um, you know, clearly there are, are some folks who um, who believe that now is a good time to buy in New York. Um, and you know, before the break, Dottie, you had mentioned, you know, what what's the what do I view as the future yes. of the city? Uh, and I, I, you know, I think that um, I first of all, I love New York. I think it's the greatest city in the world. I would never bet against New York. I think you bet against New York, it's a bad bet. Um, I- we do have. Sorry, you know we, you know we, we do have uh, um, a politics that is high, very, very highly correlated to the way our real estate market functions. I don't understand why our policymakers are not uh, more pro real estate. I mean, the real estate industry contributes more than fifty four percent of the money to the city budget in the form of real estate taxes, mortgage recording taxes, transfer taxes, other charges and fees. Um, so with real estate being such an important component of this city, uh, it seems like uh, our policymakers view uh, real estate folks as the, the bad guy, uh, which is remarkable. Um, you know, we have a lot of clients who for years would only buy properties in New York that are now buying all around the country uh, we have developers that would only build in New York that are now building all over. I, I hear story after story about how they're building in Florida. Oh my goodness! And the mayor of the the mayor of the town they're building in, uh, you know, takes them out to dinner and says, "Hey, we love the project you're doing. We'd love you to do five more of these." Uh, and in New York, um, you know, a real estate person can't even make a campaign contribution to a lot of politicians. Um, which really doesn't make any sense at all. I think, uh, you know, working hand in hand, if, if business is thriving, if real estate is thriving, the city will thrive. Those, those same politicians will have revenue to do whatever they want to do. Um, but without a thriving business and thriving real estate, it's going to be challenging to find the money to do anything. So, I think that's so well um, said. And I, and I see in Florida every developer, half the developers I've seen in New York are all building in Florida. And I see uh, all the restaurants in New York are, you know, coming out here. And so to me, I couldn't agree with you more. It's it, If New York doesn't stay competitive, and I don't know what the red tape is. Uh, also, I do think that, just my opinion, I do think that they have to put the bail back because I think that everything has to be safe and people have to feel safe. And so I think that that's also an important factor. But I put my money on New York, and I think I have it posted, don't ever bet against New York or you'll lose. Because there's no place. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, Dottie, I think the, the biggest issue we have in New York actually is voter apathy. Because I think that the uh, the typical New Yorker doesn't agree with a lot of things that are, are right. happening here. and But in order to change those things, we need to get the right policymakers in office. And, you know, only about 14% of registered voters vote in New York, which is crazy. Well, um, so who, 
more than four out of five people uh, are not voting. And that's why we have the policymakers that we have. And so when, when people ask me, Bob, you know, what can we do to change things? What, how, do, how do we, you know, make the city better? Uh, we make the city better by, by encouraging everyone you work with, everyone, you, your friends, your family. If you live in New York City, get out and vote. You know, that, that's the, the easiest way to effectuate change is to change the folks that are making the policies that are, are, are so highly correlated to the way the markets function and uh, the quality of life we have in the city. And, you know, that's the, the best thing we can do is get out and vote. That's great advice, Bob. And I, and I think that we're just in closing to say to everyone, really, you have to vote, okay? People just complain about things, but, you know, you can't fix them if you don't get out there and vote. And I, I, I can't thank you enough, Bob. And, again, just give us the list. Just give us information once more on how to get in touch with you, besides that you're sure, on social absolutely. media. Absolutely. I'm on all social media platforms. Just uh, look for Bob Knackle. And, again, feel free to email me at bob.knackle, K-N-A-K-A-L, at jll.com. So bob.knackle at jll.com. And I'd be happy to uh, hear from you. Thank you, Bob, so much. Thank you so much. I hope you come on again. It was really a pleasure to have you. And uh, I miss seeing you. When I get back in New York, I'll have to look you up. We'll have to have a, a cup of coffee. That sounds great, Dottie. Always great to chat with you and always great to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, have a great weekend. Okay. Now, really, he's uh, – I, I can't say enough about him. I mean, there's a lot of great people in the world, but he's so great and so respected and such a nice person and – really is so thorough about his research. It's like unbelievable. So I just want to say if you need any information about investment sales, he's the guy. Um, I did want to take a minute, okay, because we were supposed to have a guest on. I don't know if they're going to be here or not. But in the interim, I did want to take a minute to um, talk about the, the Douglas Element. They did a decade report. So that's like a 10-year report that's, from 2014 to the end of 2023. And uh, so this is over a whole decade. It's, and it's posted on Douglas Sullivan's site, or I have it on my site, also on Dottie Herman. So if you want information on it, you can get it. But it's also looking how, um, how New York City performed over this decade, because you can't look at one day. Um, and with, okay. Uh, so with the surge in mortgage rates, sales slowed and listing inventory declined, okay, um, in- inventory fell annually for the second time in a decade. So we have very little inventory, as I've been saying. It's the only time, that, you know, um, the spike in mortgage rates, sales fell to their second lowest level in 17 years. So we didn't have many sales last year. I think we'll have more this year. Price trend indicators showed mixed year-over-year results with the median sales price rising to the second highest on record. Okay, so even though sales declined annually at a similar rate across apartment sizes, um, months of supply, otherwise known as market pace, was on par with 2019. So we, we were going, in many ways, we're starting to go back to the way it was, but it's going to take us a while. Um, sales declined annually for the fifth time in six quarters. So... 
you know, we're not there, and we have a lot of work to do. Uh, but I, I really do think that you're going to see uh, over time really pick up. And if you're in the business, if you're looking to buy anything, uh, I really think in the city it's a great time to buy. And I say I think prices, I think rentals have kind of tamed down, but I think prices are going to go up in the city. Um, I think you can still get some really good deals now, so I think you should look. Um, and city is New York City, there's nothing like it. And with that, I have uh, promised you that Hillary Robertson, she's an art director, interior stylist, a set designer, journalist, and the author of Monochrome Home, Elegant Interiors in Black and White. Um, and she's going to talk about decorating. That's what she does. Uh, hi, Hillary. Good morning or good afternoon. I think it's closer to the afternoon. Hi, Dottie. Um, yeah, I guess it's almost afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. And, of course, everyone wants to know more about decorating. And how did, So before we get into some specifics, how did you get into interior design? How did you break into the field? Um, I actually worked in magazines. So my background is in editorial as, as an editor. So really um, working on looking for trends, identifying trends and um, illustrating those, showing people how to bring those those trends home, basically. So you're so decorating, for, oh, so that's how you got into it? Because yeah, I mean, when you work on a magazine, I mean, things have changed a lot because magazines, have changed a lot but when you work on European titles you're um, you know you're going to all the shows like Maison Objet in Paris and Milan and you, you're looking at what designers are doing and what the new trends are going to be it's like being a trend forecaster really right. now you're specializing in mono, uh, monochromatic uh, decorating and design and that's my thing like that's how I do my house and for those of you who might not know um, that's really decorating black, white, and shades of gray. Uh, tell us about that. I mean, I have that's how my house is. Um, well, that's that's me too. Well, we have a break coming up, but when we get back, could you tell us about? Sure. Yeah. Doing of course. that. Oh, yeah, and some of yeah. the tips on uh, so it doesn't look. You know, some of the yeah. tips on doing that because that's really to me the way to go. But everyone has different tastes. But that's how I have my house. So we have Hillary Robertson. She's going to talk about decorating with monochronic shades of black, white, grays, and how to do that successfully, some tips. And we'll be right back with Hillary. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. 
In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service, preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I just spoke to my friend Alex Cancella at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey. He's so excited. He and his team have finally got some aggressive financing rates available on new Toyota vehicles. And it's just in time, as Route 22 Toyota's President Day Savings Event is going on right now. They're offering select new Toyota models at 1.99% financing for up to 72 months. 1.99% is amazing. And that's why Alex and his team at Route 22 Toyota are excited. Give them a call at 973-705-8905 to learn more about their President's Day Savings Event. So call 973-705-8905 and ask how to take advantage of the 1.99% financing up to 72 months. Plus, check out all the amazing vehicles Route 22 Toyota has to offer. They're right in Hillside, New Jersey. And don't forget to tell them Joe Piscopo sent you. Financing available for qualified buyers on select new Toyota models through TFS, subject to primary lender approval. Expires February 29th. 2024. Unity Bank is dedicated to community-oriented banking and offers a full range of services including business and personal accounts, business loans, and mortgages. Unity has locations throughout New Jersey and in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, expanding its footprint to 21 retail locations. If you're a small business owner, you know how frustrating it is to be a nobody at the big banks. You should be banking at a community bank like Unity. You can have a personal relationship with the president and CEO, my good friend Jim Hughes. Jim asks that you call him directly at 908-713-4306. 908-713-4306. Or send an email to james.hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, at unitybank.com, and Jim will get right back to you. You can't get this type of service at the big banks. Visit unitybank.com. FDIC-insured equal opportunity employer and equal housing lender. Unity Bank, growing with you. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back with Hillary Hi, Robinson. Daddy. Hi, we're back with Hillary Robinson, the author of Monochrome Home, Elegant Interiors in Black and White. We have to get that book. Um, so Hillary, tell us Give us some tips on decorating and to tell us how to get the book. Can we get that on Amazon? Do you have a website? How do you we can, get the book? Yes, you can buy it on Amazon. And also, um, it's, it's available in bookstores like Barnes & Noble and um, also in the Met. So if you're near the Met, you can pick up a copy there. Oh, um, I'm very grateful for, to them for, for displaying it so well. Um, yeah, to give you some background, I would say that I identified this trend um when i was living in scandinavia um they the scandinavians are slightly color resistant i would say so um there was um a lot of uh monochrome interiors um coming out that i saw around i guess 2010 and then i 
would travel there a lot and got very interested in in what made those interiors work. Um, for me, it's all about texture. You know, you may be playing with less color or, or you know shades of of monochrome, but um, by introducing a lot of different textures, that's how you make the the um, interior more interesting. And it's also really about the, the quality of light that you're working with in your home. It's I mean, very how much important. light? Well, it's not really about how much. It's about which orientation it is. And, and you know, I, I would never, if, if there's a dark room um, that's not really getting any light, I would never try to paint it light. I would give, I would make a less dark room be a dark room and let it have a mood. Um, my, my, my emphasis is always on mixing materials. So whether it's, you know, wood, concrete, marble, glass. The, the mix of textures is what's going to kind of liven up the way the interior looks. Um, and, and, and then, you know, some people really like contrast and other people prefer that kind of white on white, um, very subtle, very airy look. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, variety within the monochrome uh, interior and actually it's really about um, you know your your mood and you asked a really good question in some of the questions you sent to me about um, whether you can have some monochrome rooms and maybe use some color in a home and I, I think right. you obviously can but I think it's about transitions between spaces so um, it, you know when you're looking through an open door it's nice to see um, it's nice to sort of that the, the, the color scheme follows, but that doesn't mean you couldn't do some color somewhere else. I think it's all it's all about um, you know how how the layout works in your home. Right. Well, what, look, I I know in my house is uh, it's fairly open, uh, so I kind of knocked my house down and built it again. So I made it very open. So it's <laughs> hard to it's hard to really put a lot of color in there. But I try to pop a color with a lot of colorful art. Um, what what can someone do if they have you know besides for you know as you said put like texture in? But what can they can they put some things in to make it pop? Um, can they do? I mean, color? I, yeah. I'm, I I mean I think you know some, sometimes yes art could definitely um, work. I, I I like I like things to be very um, closely modulated, and I don't like big pops of color but i my my method is to really think more about scale of object you know so playing with you know large shapes and um that and, and modulating the texture you know that's that's really that's the, the fun bit for me and maybe you know having a luxurious fabric that like a velvet has a sheen next to something rough like tweed or or you know linen. Uh, that's the excitement for me. But that's um, you know that's that's just how I like to approach um, that. You know I like the feel of that um, rather than you know big big contrast. Right. Does so your book really? Um, you know, does the book? You know, if if, if they buy the book, um, then would that tell you? Um, I mean, the, yeah, the book, I mean, in the book, I look at everything from the darker interior and how to work with that to the white on white 
to um, you know shades of grey to you know what how and why you might select a shade for an east facing room or a south facing room you know because again uh, the colours are going to look completely different in different lights so that's that's I think that's where you need to start if you're painting yeah, I have a question for you on that because I know that was a problem for me when I was doing my house and you would see things um, like in a showroom or you would take or you would take uh, paint, let's say, and put a slab of it somewhere. If you didn't see it in, in the rooms with the light, it could look entirely different. So yeah. how, Actually, how, how does someone deal with that? Yeah, that's what yeah. I, how, how does someone deal yeah. with that? Well, I, I don't know if if you ever look at the Benjamin Moore website. I'm not, you know, they're not paying me to say this, but they have this very clever um, thing when you've selected a color, it shows you how it might look in different lights. So ambient light, morning light, evening light. Um, that's that's a very useful thing because it really does change dramatically. But otherwise, I would paint large pieces of paper and and I would stick those to the wall and live with them and see see how things change during the day. That should give you some help with that, with selecting the right white, for example. Yeah. So but I also, I'm <clears throat> I'm sorry. Just I was no, just to continue. I, I was listening. I just have another question. I, I don't, yeah, go uh, ahead. I mean, yeah, I have so see. many yeah. questions. <laughs> I so. So the light, okay, and depending on the day, the time of the day, so you suggest with light putting up things and letting them just sit there so that you can see how the light affects that color. Yeah, about, I was just, sorry, about, rather than, yeah. I was just going to say, just rather than paint onto the wall when you're choosing, just paint some large pieces of paper and then just stick them on the wall because then you're not, you know, you're not going to mess up your wall before you've even started. Yeah. That's a good idea. But with whites, I used to, it drove me crazy because there was like <laughs> yeah. 20 million different shades of white. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, it's very hard. Well, there's, you know, there's cooler ones and warmer ones and there's ones with a little pink in them. I, I mean, for many years I used Farrow and Ball colors because it's an edited palette and I think it drives me less crazy to have had someone already edit for me and, you know, they will have you know, they'll they'll give you very. Um, you can see very specifically the warmer, the cooler, the bluer, the greener. You know, white could be so many things. But I think again, you you really need to try it out. And and I'm also a huge fan of lime paint, which is um, made with flaked lime, and it just has a sort of softer texture. So that gives the walls some sort of modulation, which it looks a little bit like plaster. So I'm very keen on that because, again, oh. it, it has a softness that is very appealing. So if you're, if you're like, in other words, now if you, like, say you pick a white, and let's just say it is a cool white, so it's like a, you know, now I know there's warm whites and there's gray whites and blue whites. Now, do you have to mix, like, if you're doing the grays or you're doing other, do you have to kind of keep them all cool if you stay with the cool white, or can you mix warm? No, I, I think, it, I think. I mean, again, you know, we, you, you've got the walls to paint, you've got ceilings, you've got moldings, you've got doors, so you might want to change a little bit the, the, the um, intensity between the wall and the, the woodwork, um, 
people some people like it all the same color some people like to you know highlight a little bit with with um a slightly different shade and also you know you, you're also going to have a different kind of paint you know eggshell for a, for woodwork and maybe a mat for the wall so you know again it's all about how the light is going to work and play on those surfaces yes and one and one last question i so if you're doing that kind of a, a you know if you're going to go with the mono uh the monotones and you're going to go with basically whites and grays and things of that nature uh, is there any kind of furniture that uh works with that better than others well i personally i yeah i i mean i like i like to get, have a real mix again with the materials of the furniture um i like to have um you know some some wood like you know soft kind of wood with or um you know i imagine i don't know if you imagine the um, Scandinavian, some of the mid-century designers, um, you know, oak, um, paler wood, I think, look really good with in a monochrome interior uh, rather than darker. Um, and then, and then, you know, again, it's, I, I think it's all about the mixing the materials. So, you know, the, the smooth, the rough, the something with some sheen on it. Um, so when it comes to upholstery, you know? and, and you did ask another question about pattern. And I'm not yes. a huge pattern fan, but uh, that's just, I think it's just easier. And another thing I think to point out about monochromatic decorating is, is if you do stick to that palette, you've got some less decisions to make because, you know, there are so many decisions. So it does, sort of, it helps you focus, I think. Well, thank you. And Hillary, thank you so much. And you can look. And get Hillary's book. Um, yep. Amazon's probably the best place or, you know, bookshops. Author of The Monochrome Home, Elegant Interiors in Black and White. It's a great book. And you also, if you do that right, I think it's I think it's beautiful, that kind of a look. Anyway, thank you, Hillary, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be here next week. Have a great, wonderful week. And just remember the groundhog. Dark shadows, so we're going to have warm weather soon. Have a great week. Be back next week. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.